And now, O Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O God, we ask you to speak to each of us then here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today we are in the second week of our series on the Sermon to the Hebrews. And if you were here last week, you know that I talked a little bit about the fact that it's hard to know exactly what to call this collection of writings in the scripture. We can call it a letter to the Hebrews or perhaps a collection of writings for the Hebrews. But the, probably the most accurate word to use to describe these 13 chapters that we'll be looking at over the next few weeks is indeed that it was a sermon that was delivered. We don't know who preached it. We don't know who wrote it. We don't know a whole lot about who heard it, but we do know they were believers in Jesus Christ. And we knew that they, we know as well that they had some understanding of the Old Testament, and they were trying to figure out how to live as Christians founded and grounded in the teachings that came before the life of Jesus, but had been transformed into new revelation because of who Jesus was. And one of the things we talked about last week that I encourage you to go back and listen to if you, did, if you were not here, if you were not tuning in, is that in the first four verses of the very first chapter of Hebrews, we hear what we need to know to understand the book. We hear what we will be looking at every week in this series. Now, let me just give you a heads up. There are 13 chapters in Hebrews, and we only have about half that number of weeks where we can't do a chapter every week, so we are going to be skipping over a few things. So I want to encourage you, whatever we skip over, go back and read in your free time. And the parts that have been selected that we're going to be talking about, a lot of times there are other sections that talk about the exact same thing. Like today we're in chapter 4, but if you go back and you read chapter 3, you'll see some similarities of what we are hearing today. And the four things that we hear about in the first four verses of chapter 1 are these things that we'll be looking at. One is who Jesus is. Who Jesus is. We'll be exploring that question every week. Another is what Jesus did, what he did for us. Another is who we are. And the truth today, friends, is that we're going to be looking a lot at who we are in the scripture. And it's not always pretty what we see. It's not always what we want to hear about ourselves. But in hearing how much we need God, we realize how grateful we are for what God has done for us. And last but not least, what we talked about a good bit last week is we look in Hebrews and we discover what time it is. And last week we talked about the fact that this was written to make us remember that we are living in last days. That we are living in a time that we need to be looking for Jesus to return to us. Because that day is coming. Whether it is when this our, our mortal bodies fail us and we go to be with him in heaven. Or when he comes with all of his angels and redeems this earth the way it's supposed to be. And we are all taken up together with him. Who believe, all who believe in him. Whichever that is for us, we have to remember that this life is short. The psalmist tells us that life is but a vapor. But we are given the gift of these days to live out everything that Jesus intended us to be. So that's what we talked about last week. But today, the writer of Hebrews does us a big favor. He or she answers for us very quickly what time it is and what day it is. In fact, if you look with me in verses 7 and 8, we see that. We hear um, the, the writer is quoting Psalm 95 when he says this. Again, he set a certain day today. 
saying through David much later in the words already quoted today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This message from Hebrews is for today. It is for us in the present moment. Yes, it was for David in his day, what David said then. It is what the Hebrews pastor was talking about. And it's what we are talking about. This is a message that we need that applies for us today, but not only for today. Look at verse 8 at what happens then. We hear at the end of verse 8, God would not speak later about another day, another day that is to come. So what we are going to be talking about today, what we're going to be gleaning from the scriptures applies to what we're going through right here on October 10th, 2021, the circumstances that we are that we are facing and the decisions that we have to make today. But we always need to keep in mind that another day is coming. A time is coming. And when we look back with the writer of Hebrews, when we look back at Psalm 95, when David said this, he was talking about a people who had turned away from God and had hardened their hearts. And friends, we would like to believe that that's someone that we're not connected to, that we're not like that at all. But those were our ancestors, the Israelites. When God delivered them from Egypt and led them towards the promised land that we'll talk about more with Joshua in just a moment. But when they were delivered and God was leading them and he had done so much for them, they got very caught up in dissension. They got very caught up in complaining and grumbling. And there was disunity among the people and they begin to turn away from God and turn towards sin. And so David is recounting that and the Hebrews writers recounting it to say, look, this is what's happened in the past, but don't choose to harden your heart today. Instead, choose today to hear God's voice speaking to you and obeying what that voice is saying. And when you do, we find out it's not just what the decisions we make today don't just impact today, but another day that is to come. And this verse begins to show us, like I said, the answer to that question of who we are. And we look up a little bit earlier than that, and we see we look up a little bit before that, and we see who we are as well in verses 1 through 4. Look at with me in verse 3. For we who have believed enter that rest. Just as God has said, as in my anger I swore, they shall not enter my rest. That's how bad it can be for us. Though his works were finished at the foundation of the world. And for in one place, it speaks about the seventh day as follows. And God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. Now, I just read all of that very quickly. It's from three, two or three different parts of the Bible. And you may be thinking, what does all of that mean? Well, let me just break this down into what we are encountering about ourselves, who we are today. We are a people desperately in need of rest. We are a people desperately in need of a rest that only God can give us. Now, some of you are sitting here thinking, boy, I am glad I came to church today because I need some rest. I need some peace of mind. I need to feel good. I need to be relaxed. There's so much stress. There's so much to do. And then, friends, I, and indeed, that is one of the reasons that we do worship together. To, we come together and worship to enter God's rest, to observe the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we gather from that rest the energy and the strength and the perspective that we need to make it through the day. But what we're reminded of here is that we are a people not just in need of rest, but we're a people who want rest, right? It's something that we want. We want to be at peace. We want to be in a place where where we are still before the Lord, and yet it's so hard to get there. And this is what's really interesting about these first four verses that I just read a portion of, uh, of to you, is that we see the word rest multiple times here, but there are actually two different Hebrew words 
used for rest in today's passage. The one that we heard from Psalm 95 in verse 3 that says, As in my anger I swore they shall not enter my rest. And before that we hear about believing that we can enter that rest. That, the word that is used there is minutia. Minutia, or minutia, I think it's actually how it's properly pronounced. And it's a Hebrew word translated as rest, but it actually means also peace and tranquility. Think Psalm 23 about walking beside the still waters and lying down in the green pastures. That, that word is, uh, is, is a word for rest that means being at peace with the world, being in a place of calm. And that is the kind of rest we want, right? Isn't that the kind of rest that we desperately want to be at peace in the world and for everything to feel like it's okay, even just for a moment? Well, we're promised that's what God wants to give us. He wants to give us that kind of peace. When we hear about, uh, when we hear about Joshua taking the Israelites into a promised land and leading the Israelites toward that promised land, they are going to this place of rest and peace and tranquility. But that's not the end of the story. Because you look with, if you look with me again in, uh, here in verse 5, I believe, uh, I believe it is. Uh, no, verse, uh, verse 4, excuse me. In one place, it speaks about the seventh day as follows. God rested on the seventh day from all of his works. Many of us know that story, right? The seventh day of creation that God rested from all of his work. Well, that's a different word for rest than the one we were just talking about. The word used here in Genesis for rest is actually translated Shabbat. The original Hebrew is Shabbat, and it means to cease from activity, to stop what you're doing, to discontinue the toil and the ongoing labors. What we're reminded of here is that God calls his friends to stop what we're doing. That's one reason that we observe on Sundays the Sabbath day and keep it holy. God is inviting us to stop everything else we're doing, to come together, to make a journey, an intentional journey, to come and to worship Him as one. And He does that because He wants for us to have not just the rest that we want, that rest by the still waters and the green pastures, but also He wants to give us the rest. That we need. And the rest that we need is the one that's sometimes hard for us to do because I bet everybody in here, whether you're in the building or if you're joining us virtually, at some point in your life has said, I just don't have time to rest. I don't have time to slow down. I don't know how I can take the time to put aside everything that I need to do and just be still before God. And what God is reminding us of, friends, is that he created us for rest. He created us to need rest and to want rest. And the reason I bring out, and I've spent so much time talking about those two words, is that sometimes we're so focused on what we need that we don't, that we ignore what we want. And sometimes we're so focused on what we want from God that we don't pay attention to what God says we need from him. Well, we need and we, the rest that we need and the rest that we want are what, are, are what, we, bo- are what we need are, we, to focus on for today. And God is saying both are available to you and the only place you can find it is in me and in my son, Jesus Christ. And that leads us into asking, well, who is Jesus in this passage? Well, good news. Jesus is our Sabbath rest. Look with me in verse 9. I absolutely love Verse 9, it says, So then a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one 
may fall through such disobedience as theirs. That disobedience is talking about our forefathers that David was reprimanding in Psalm 95 for hardening their hearts and turning away from God's rest. But what we see here, I love that verse 9, that a Sabbath rest still remains for us when Jesus was raised from the dead, when he became our, when he became, came into earth as the Lamb of God and became the sacrifice for us. He became a place where we could access the Father. He became a place that we could go to, a person we could, not just a place, but a person we could go to, to receive the rest that we need and the rest that we want. And as if I can't confuse you, or I haven't confused you enough already on the different meanings, the different words that are translated as rest, guess what? There's one more. It's a Greek word, and it's used here in talking about Jesus. And that Greek word is anapawa. It's pronounced anapawa. And we also see it in Matthew's gospel when Jesus famously says to us, come all of you who are carrying heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. We also hear it in the book of Revelation when, when the Apostle John says, Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord, for they shall rest from their labors. And the reason I bring that up, the rest that we want and the rest that we need comes together in the rest that Jesus gives us. And that's an eternal rest. That word anapawa is translated as ceasing, stopping, and ending for eternity. And it's a rest that is firmly grounded in the hope of who Jesus Christ is. And so what you see, see, this is what God invites us into, friends. When we take the time to observe the rest that we need and the rest that we want, ceasing from toil, ceasing from labor, seeking after his peace, we are given a rest that is better than anything we could have imagined, a rest for eternity. Hebrews calls us to always think in eternal terms. Yes, God cares about today. God cares about what, what time it is right now. We have obligations and things we need to do today, but he wants to give us the rest that we need to get through those things today. He wants to give us something better than just the promised land of the Old Testament. He wants to give us something for eternity. And it's up to us to, to invite that into our hearts, to receive that rest, to receive it, and to give it, and to offer it to others as well. And the thing is, the only way we are able to receive that rest, the only way we can receive the Anapawa rest for eternity, or any of God's rest, is because of what Jesus did for us. And we hear in verses 12 and 13 what he did. Indeed, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing until it divides soul from spirit, joints from marrow, and it is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. You hear that and you may be thinking, okay, that sounds great. That's a great scripture. It talks about the word of God being active, but what does that have to do with what Jesus did? Well, when you read the gospels, we know that just like this verse says, Jesus knows our hearts. He knows the intentions of our hearts. He sees within our soul. He knows our wants. He knows our desires. His love that is wild for us sees that place in us where we so desperately need his love. Jesus indeed can judge the thoughts and intentions of our hearts. But also, and this is the part that's sometimes harder to swallow, in Matthew's gospel, Jesus famously says something that troubled the disciples then, and it has is, it is caused a lot of unrest in theologians and scholars over the years. That's when Jesus said, I came not to bring peace, 
but to bring a sword. Does anybody remember ever reading that verse? If not, I encourage you to go back in Matthew's gospel and find that. Because what happens in, when Jesus says that, it's shocking. It's something that, we, that just doesn't make sense. Of course, we're thinking, Jesus, you're the prince of peace. What do you mean? You didn't come to bring peace. We see over and over here, the Hebrews writer is saying that God wants for us to experience peace. Well, friends, in order to experience that peace, Jesus had to come and put a dividing line in the sand between darkness and light, between good and evil, between sin and redemption. And we have the ability to choose. Jesus can't force us to believe in him. Jesus can't force us to follow him. We have to decide to do that. And when we, and that sword that is Jesus Christ came and brought an ending, and yes, it caused an ending to have to come to his life. He was pierced. He was literally pierced with a device like a sword when he was on the cross. And that symbolizes for us that there had to be a death, there had to be an ending for us to receive the eternal life and the eternal rest. The writer of Hebrews never wants us to forget, and we as Christians should never forget what Jesus did because of who he was. And he did it for who we were and who we are. And he wants for us to receive that gift of rest that only he can give. A few years ago, actually it was probably about six or seven years ago, one of my favorite television shows ended after nine seasons. And the name of the show, many of you may have watched it or be familiar, may be familiar with it, was How I Met Your Mother. And How I Met Your Mother was on for nine seasons. It was a, For those of you who aren't familiar with it, it was just a delightful 30-minute sitcom that came on once a week on CBS, and it was the story of a man, middle-aged man who had teenage children, and he was telling his two teenage children the story of how he met their mother. Now, you would think, well, how can you draw that out for over 200 episodes in nine seasons? Believe me, they did it, and they did it well. And it wasn't just the story of how this man met this woman. It was the story of their friends. It was the story of their experiences, of their jobs and their families, and how they came together and I was so excited I loved the show and at the end of the ninth season there was so much hype around the series finale when we would find out who the mother was we would find out the rest of the whole story of how they met and how they got there and there was so much anticipation and for those of you who haven't watched it I'm not going to give you too much of a spoiler but I will tell you this little bit when that series when that series finale aired there were so many angry fans. In fact, if you Google now How I Met Your Mother series finale, you're going to encounter a lot of language that, that those people need, people need, you realize people need to go to church and work on their language. They're so mad about how this ended. And the reason people were mad is that somebody died. And that's not giving anything away. There are a lot of characters in the show. I won't tell you any more details than that. But what made people so angry was that they had built up in there, everybody had built up this great, big, wonderful, happy ending. And there was a happy ending. But along the way, to get to that happy ending, a death had to occur. And you know, when we think about the story of Jesus and the horrific death that he experienced for those three days between Good Friday and Easter Sunday, there was likely a lot of anger that this ended badly, that a death was required for this, that this ending was tragic, and indeed it was. But friends, in Jesus, the ending is always a new beginning as well, because in the tragic ending of, what, of, of his life on earth, he gave us resurrection, he gave us life, he gave us eternal rest. And it's hard sometimes in life to move through those hard endings, but Jesus is with us through them. And on the other side of every death, there is a resurrection. On the other side of every loss, there is gain. 
Because as we are crucified with him and we follow after him, he gives us more than we could ever imagine. And yes, it's hard. Yes, it can be surprising at times. But his ending, but what looks like an ending in him is also a new beginning, a new beginning of rest. So I encourage you as we go into this week to receive the minutiae, the peaceful rest of God, to receive Shabbat, a time of ceasing, just like you've done today, a time of pausing to be with your Lord and worship. And as we observe the rest that we need and the rest that we want, God gives us a rest that we don't deserve because Jesus' ending was the ending that we deserved as sinners, as, as those of a hardened heart. And yet he gave us something we didn't deserve, which is rest eternal. Go forth now, receiving the rest and giving the rest of the story of who he is, a wild, wild love that cannot be tamed to everybody we meet. And may we do so in the name of the one who lives and reigns with the Father and the Holy Spirit, our Lord Jesus Christ, blessed three in one, now and forever. Amen.